This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday from NPR Music. I'm Robin Hilton. I'm here with NPR Music editor Hazel Sills. Hey, Hazel. Hey. Contributor Letitia Harris. Hi. And NPR Music editor Sheldon Pierce. What's good? Well, it's New Music Friday. That's good. And we're doing a quick rundown of the best albums out now on June 9th. It's a super-packed week. Janelle Monet, King Cruel, Jenny Lewis, a whole bunch more all have new releases out today. But we're going to start with Amore. She's back with the album Fountain Baby. This is the song Counterfeit. Amare best as someone who is expanding the reach of Alte, the alternative Afrobeat culture and sound coming out of Nigeria. This album is solidly pop, and I think that track Counterfeit really proves it. You know, it's very early, grimy, 2000s club, braggadocia pop that also pulls from her globality, you know. And Amare mentioned that she wanted to replicate the work being done by pop artists at their peak in the early 2000s, where producers are, you know, taking sounds outside of the American pop canon at the time, at least and bring him into the fold. So there's, you know, production reminiscent of the work done by Britney during Blackout, Janet Jackson, The Velvet Robe, Gwen Stefani, Love Angel, Music Baby. I think it's a really great album for tastemakers by a genius tastemaker. And I'm really glad to see how her production has expanded. Amara has felt like the future for a while now, and it feels like the future is here. Like, the, like she is realizing her sound. Uh, the stuff that interests me the most is like the stuff that is still changing the shape and texture of Afropop. The orchestral flourishes on like Angels in Tibet. Co-star is on piano, like as bubblegum pop. But to Letitia's point, she doesn't stop there. I mean, we heard Counterfeit. The womp womp flip on that is among the most imaginative I've heard. And she is just completely reimagining all of these styles across the pop landscape. Yeah, I I just wanted to say that, like, even though we're talking about her as, like, this incredible pop star who's on the brink of global domination or or should be, I do feel like there were a lot of moments on this album where I really just felt her personality and, like, her sense of self in a way that felt, I don't want to say relatable, but, like, you know, accessible to me. Like, uh, you know, even something like throwing in a punk song, like Sex, Violence, Suicide, Part 2. I 
I just want to get drinks with Amre, like listening to a lot of this album. So you two could be best friends if she would just give you a chance. Take me to the club, Amre. This is my my plea. But yeah, so, and I, I mean, I, to Letitia's point, I think that is real auteurism, is like being able to fit yourself into all these sounds, work within all these sounds, but really establish a clear sense of self and voice. Hazel, I think that idea of you like relating to Amare in this album is just the fact that you're a cool girl, she's a cool girl, this album is for <laughs> No, cool keep this girls. in, Robin. <laughs> I, I wonder what you all made of the closing cut, Come Home to God. It's just so epic and completely unexpected and an incredible way to wrap this record up. Yeah, it feels like a just a big culmination of a statement record. A record that is so clear in its purpose and its vision, as Hazel has said, in its personality. And then you get the big defining capstone moment where she's like, I am here to stay. I also love Amare's willingness to kind of like explore her relationship with spirituality and God on this type of record. It's such a like club rat record, but she's able to, like Hazel said, like highlight all the different parts of her personality and highlight all the different, you know, aspects that culminate into this awesomeness that we're hearing. And like, she's not afraid to shy away from that like relationship she has with God. So I love that cap track. All right, again, the record out today we all clearly love from Amare is called Fountain Baby. There are so many big releases we want to get to this week, but I want to completely shift gears here and go next to the new King Cruel record. It's called Space Heavy. This is the song Hamburger Phobia. Archie Marshall is the boy wonder all grown up. The English musician released his first songs as Zoo Kid, as a teenager, and he appeared kind of fully formed as King Cruel. Now he's a long-running veteran. He's got a kid of his own. His new album, Space Heavy, was recorded between 2020 and 2022 on commutes between London and Liverpool, where he moved to be with his partner. And the album became fascinated with the space in between, hence the title, and losing connection with those close to you. 
Um, it is a woozy and wonky record that is typical of a King Crow record, but there is a sweetness to it that I think mm. separates it from the rest of his catalog. Uh, in an interview, he mentioned that there's a lot of the album was written in C major, and I think that's sort of telling of his headspace. Not only is the album less gloomy, but it's less zigzaggy. Like early King Cool records, especially the ooze, uh, had this sort of inscrutable do all things approach that I think seeps away on this record. But in typical King Cruel fashion, some of it is just like wonderfully weird. The quiet, like squelching guitars on That Is My Life, That Is Yours erupts into like acid jazz, like right in the middle. All the words Sheldon just used to describe this album, squelchy, wonky, <laughs> woozy, like so many qualities that I love in music. And there's mm. something about the songs that feel like hard to, I was going to say hold in your hand, but like hard, hard to get a handle on in a, in a way that I really love. And yeah, yeah I, I never got into him. Crazy. But this, this album is, is beautiful. <laughs> I would think it's your jam, Hazel. It's Demented Nightclub. <laughs> 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 Yeah, you know it's it's Lynch. That's so true, Robin. It, it's you know it's it's uh, Tom Waits and Nick smoking Cave a cigarette in the corner next to a fog machine man. or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you take a song like Pink Shell. You know, it just it just is so surreal, and it has that whole late night vibe that you're talking about, and that I love. You know, it, but also it's interesting. It's got this touch of new wave to it, almost. You know, yeah. very liminal record, very out of time, which is reminiscent of like being on a long train ride and dozing off and coming to, and being like, <laughs> where am I? Like, what is anything? Uh, and sort of trying to get your bearings again. It has all of that energy. King Cruel, his new album out today is called Space Heavy. There's also a new album out now from Ginny Lewis. She's back with a new solo record called Joy Y'all. This is the title cut.
you know, a good chunk of these songs were born from a virtual songwriting workshop hosted by Beck that she had joined in the pandemic. And they all have this really kind of laid back, easygoing vibe. I feel like more laid back than I would normally expect from Jenny Lewis. And um, our critic Marissa LaRusso wrote a really wonderful review of this album for NPR.org where she kind of talks about this idea of Jenny Lewis as this kind of like den mother to a generation of women and artists, Mm. that she's sort of this kind of cool older sister type. And there are a lot of moments on this album where she kind of leans into the sort of role of the zen sage, even something like Honor Song, Chain of Tears. If it's ain't right, it's wrong. Don't paint those red flags white. I was surprised that so much of this record was created using this sort of oblique strategy method of creation, you know, like where they're given guidelines to write a song mm-hmm. today about, you know, use only cliches. Because when I listened, I thought it would be very easy to think that this was a breakup mm-hmm. record. There are so many yeah. broken relationships across this record, but it, it feels like after reading and learning more about it, like maybe it was more just a creative exercise. And I love that idea of the creative exercise because it's like, for someone like Jenny Lewis who's been around for a very long time and writing songs for a very long time, the idea that she can tackle a project like this and make it sound so jubilant and like buoyancy and like fresh at this point in her career, just based on like a creative writing workshop is so impressive to me. It's such a like achievement. And another thing about this album that's interesting is that, so Lewis moved to Nashville from Los Angeles where she had lived for most of her life. And she recorded this at RCA Studio A in Nashville with the producer Dave Cobb. And you can really hear that warm, sort of retro studio sound. Yeah, I was just going to say, it does feel more emblematic of the move to Nashville than of the songwriting workshop. To Hazel's point, there is like a muted grandeur to all of the the retroness Mm. of it. I love where it lands sonically somewhere between like the singer-songwriter stuff, but also alt-country, but also classic soul. But I will say, it's the writing on this record that powers it. There's a frankness that comes even at her own expense sometimes. Yeah, even a song like Puppy and a Truck, you know, that lyric where she's sort of singing like, I ain't got no kids, I ain't got no roots. It's like this call of defiance and, you know, Jenny Lewis has made so much music about aging and and dating at a certain age and, you know, not having kids, not being married and just the way that she sort of writes about her life and what people expect from her and the ways in which she finds joy, the way that she writes about it from all these different angles, I feel like is so inspiring. So I'm 44 and yeah she says at the top of that song puppy in a truck my 40s are kicking my ass 
you know, but she also seems to recognize, I don't know, the joy of perspective that you are afforded as you get older, you know, and how she's able to look back on, for example, her teen years and the things that maybe dismantled her then are things that she just didn't understand. And now she recognizes that joy and sorrow, for example, can coexist with each other. I love records about the pursuit of joy that come at it from an authentic place. Like, joy is not always this, like, happy-go-lucky thing. And it's not this thing at the end of the rainbow where you attain it and it's like a power-up and you never feel sadness again. Uh, it comes I wish. in waves. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to actively seek it out sometimes, right? And it's like, it, it can be the simple pleasure of a puppy in a truck when your 40s are kicking your ass. Okay, the record from Ginny Lewis is called Joy, Y'all. That's out now on June 9th, along with several other releases that we want to highlight for you. But first, we need to take a short break. This message comes from NPR sponsor BritBox, helping people discover a world of British TV, including new original drama Time, starring Jodie Whittaker, Tamara Lawrence, and Bella Ramsey. Streaming at BritBox.com NPR. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I, I just started doing research. Uh, but the truth is, I, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. This message comes from Wondery. For a masterclass on innovation and creativity, listen to How I Built This, where host Guy Raz talks to founders behind the world's biggest companies to learn the real stories of how they built them. Listen to How I Built This early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. This message comes from NPR sponsor Grammarly. 96% of users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing. Save time with one click and go from editing drafts in hours to seconds. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions to help your team make their point and move faster. Make a bigger impact at work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. It's New Music Friday from NPR. I'm Robin Hilton. I'm here with Hazel Sills, Letitia Harris, and Sheldon Pierce. We're sharing our picks for the best new albums out now on June 9th, including a long-anticipated new one from Janelle Monet. She's back now with her first new album in five years. It's called The Age of Pleasure. This is the song Champagne Shit. I like all my kisses, friends, when I'm on my champagne shit. Everybody turn around taking them pics, because I'm on my champagne shit. And I'm throwing them tips. On my champagne shit And she throwing them hits Cause I'm on my champagne shit Now shake it all up Move your little hip, hip, hip Back it ass up And do that little skip, skip, skip It's all in her hips It's all in them hip, hip, hips She got them dimples in her back And I'm on my champagne shit I'll be Don't ask me shit about work, cause I'm on my champagne shit. I'm talking high heels and no shirts, cause I'm on my champagne shit. 
I used to pray about taking vacations. Remember them bills we split. Now I'm here with Bueno and we busting bottles like we won a championship. Yeah, Janelle Monet has come to be known as an Afrofuturist warping the dimensions of progressive soul, but The Age of Pleasure is her first album that seems distinctly present. It's clear from the title, this record's sole ambition is the dance floor. As a place of freedom and expression, but also as a place to find someone to hook up with. Uh, it operates in service of those universal truths and delivers something that is like really, really fun front to back. It really feels like the Janelle Bonet party. Right. You know, Janelle Monet has established themselves as a sonic perfectionist, someone who really goes in on the idea of building out albums and building out worlds. And to me, this album felt not unpolished necessarily, but much more like laid back in terms of its like creation. And it feels less... Um, it's looser. It's looser. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's looser than her previous work. It's more carefree, but not in a way that it's to a detriment, you know? And yeah. to the other side of that, her work's always been very interested in the pleasure politic. And to me, as you said, Sheldon, this one feels most rooted in the present, rooted in reality. And I also feel like it's her most sensual, you know, in the sex that we saw in Dirty Computer of Pink and Make Me Feel. Those are very exploratory and curious depictions of pleasure. And like on this album, it's very clear that she spent a lot of time rooted in the lifestyle of pursuing pleasure and like is much more comfortable with it. Dancing in the dark, how you feel? Phenomenal, a true. Yeah, I think Dirty Computer was this almost, I want to say like think PC album. It had these big ideas bound up in it about Afrofuturism and sexuality and queerness. And this sort of de-cyborgizes her. I don't think that's a word, but I'm going to make yeah. a word right now because I know you know what I mean. Um and she feels human. She feels like a human being. And Letitia, as you said, she's expressing pleasure very much rooted in her own experiences. And I just think that's kind of fascinating because I do sort of think of Janelle Monet as existing on this other plane and really enjoying existing on this other plane. And then, you know, to get an album where, you know, she has songs like Lipstick Lover. I really got a thing for my lipstick lover, 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 lover. She's saying things like, leave a sticky icky in a place I won't forget. I was like, okay, yeah. okay. We are not on Mars <laughs> or where I would like originally associate Janelle. Yeah, this, uh, it, the aura is very much God coming down to play with the mortals. Uh, More like make out with such the mortals. Like this law. <laughs> make out. Literally. Yeah, well, they did, a, the, in the Greek mythology, they did a lot of that. So uh, <laughs> that, that that is also accurate to canon. But she has operated at such a lofty place in such a high concept area that for her to do something like this sensuous feels like it's at odds with that but i do think it's so interesting that to hazel's point it does feel more personal and i get i mean through the party you can sort of discover yourself like in in that freedom 
One thing that really struck me while I was listening to this is how, you know, historically, so much music has raged against troubled times, right? You know, the anger and outrage and depression and, you know, exhaustion of the times is is either mirrored in the music that we hear and that artists are making or or the music rages against it in some way. And now it seems like so many artists like Janelle Monet and the music they make are taking the exact opposite approach. It's like they're fighting with love in a way, right? You know, they're answering or reacting to troubled times with just this boundless optimism and joy and celebration of the self and unconditional love. Uh, it's just such a curious take for music uh, to me. I think there's also a, a sort of pent-up energy mm-hmm. at the source of it, too. There was a lot of talk of it in the wake of Beyonce's Renaissance, too, and sort of mm, yeah. like Drake's Honestly Nevermind and the, the house moment of last summer. In the wake of the pandemic, people were eager to get out and uh, go into public spaces and cram <laughs> up against each other and dance. Ew. Uh, hey man, Robin, that's, that's what it is, man. <laughs> I'm sorry, that may not put the NPR disclaimer on there. But, There'll but, be no cramming <laughs> up against one another. But no, no, yeah, and I was just going to say, I mean, this record still has some of that on it. And to your point, Robin, what I liked what you said about the idea of like um, fighting things with love and optimism. I think this is Janelle Monae's most explicitly queer album outside of even like the lyricisms of it, but the way that she's approached just the thematic concept of pleasure, because if you think about it, you know, this is someone who grew up in very religious Bible Belt, Kansas, as a queer individual kind of coming into their own. And with more and more liberation, I feel like in their adult life, I think regarding the music they were making with the whole Afrofuturism, Cindy Mayweather being kind of a, defensive alter ego to like kind of work through these different things that maybe Janelle Monáe wasn't able to express or feel in her childhood. What we're seeing now is like this idea that the alter ego of the robot version of Janelle Monáe doesn't need to exist anymore because she's really fully able to be this person she's always wanted to be. It may not work for everyone, but I think it's what's most sustainable at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, beautifully said. Okay, The Age of Pleasure is the album from Janelle Monáe. Uh, And let's keep the party raging with the new Keaton Henson album. It's actually called House Party. This is the opening cut, I'm Not There. (laughs) It's perfect. I threw a party that I didn't attend. house party more than dissociation this is henson's first full-length studio album since 2020's monuments an album that was written during the last months of his father's life and it differs 
very widely from what listeners may come to expect from Pinson. It's a lighter, bouncier, pop-esque album written from the perspective of an alternate version of Pinson, someone who has, and I'm going to paraphrase this, hollowed himself out over the course of a long career, but can only express his feelings of emptiness and loneliness through performative pop songs. Um, so I think the most interesting idea on this album is the idea of performance, because while Henson singing the identity crisis of this fictitious narrator, he's kind of working through some of his own thought processes regarding his motivations as a musician. It's kind of like an uncanny valley sort of album where the intention develops beyond control and just transforms into something unexpected. And there are a lot of interesting musical beats throughout the album that kind of highlight that. Yeah, the idea of making a pop record about being a depressed performer is, is, is an interesting one. Like only being able to speak the pop language after years of performity, even as you become like increasingly self-aware is fascinating. As a result, like with this record, you're left with like dueling impulses. The bliss of being awash in some of these melodies and like the creeping tension under the surface. Uh, it's funny because there's a moment in the terrible new HBO show, The Idol, where the weekend's character is basically like, pop is powerful because you can say anything and get people to sing along if it's catchy. And I, I guess the principle is sort of in practice here. It's how you get a song like Holiday with lyrics like, I must be sick in the head. I'm being my soul. I need reasons to sleep, baby. I'm in all kinds of hell. It's interesting to have all of that at play in the record and sort of try to hold those two things in your mind at once. I was just going to say that I feel like I've said this on the show before. My sort of reverence for pop music that wears a happy mask. But then when you listen a little closer, it's like the most depressing <laughs> sentiment you've ever heard. Um, like, I really love that yeah. moment on Envy where he sings, you know, who wouldn't want to be like me? And it's there's just such a sigh. It's like the way he delivers it. It's such a sigh. And you're like, oh, brother. What's interesting to me about this record is that this is not, this record is not Keaton Henson, the rock star who found his way into the bright lights and the bustle of life, you know, but this, this is Keaton Henson, the artist who's just trying, who's trying, right? You know, he even says on the song, Parking Lot, I'm on the way to healing. Mm -hmm. And to me, the most interesting line on the whole record is in the song, Hooray.
when he says, I'm not happy, but I want to feel what it's like to be. And that's an interesting line to me because maybe he's not saying, I want to feel what it's like to be happy. Maybe he's saying he just wants to feel what it's like to be. To exist. To, ex- to exist. To exist. You know, or as Joseph Campbell said, that the real point or meaning to life is simply to feel the rapture of existing, right? And he just wants to feel the joy of being comfortable in his own skin. <laughs> All right. The party album of the, of the summer. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have ended on that one. <laughs> All right. It's called House Party. House Party from Keaton Henson. As I said at the top of the show, it is a super packed release week. Uh, So many more great albums out today that we can't get to. You'll find a complete list of those in the description of this episode in the podcast feed. Uh, But before we go, let's just take a minute to mention some of our personal favorites out today. Hazel, we'll start with you. Yeah, I really want to shout out the album Girl with Fish by the band Feeble Little Horse. Incredible band name. Um, They are a Pittsburgh quartet. They are a rock group. Uh, This is their sophomore album. And they just make the best sort of jangly, weird, creepy little songs. And yeah, I just think this album is is great. You had me at jangly, weird, and creepy. Yeah. (laughs) Letitia. So my lightning round pick on this beautiful Friday is Heaven Hunters, the debut album from Emil Mosseri. Many will know him from his composing work on film and TV, notable highlights being The Last Black Man in San Francisco and Minari, the latter of which earned him an Oscar nominee. I'm really excited about this release because it highlights Mosseri's strengths as an intuitive, emotion-driven composer and combines them with these rougher indie rock sentiments. And I'm just super excited to see how his career is going to transform from here. Sheldon. Yeah, my pick is uh, Squid O'Monolith. Brighton post-punk band returns on the heels of 
their massive breakthrough debut, Bright Green Field, with an album that is more experimental, more epic. It's it's weirder. It's better. It's bigger. I, I, I can't endorse this record enough. I love it. Okay, I'm going to go with the new Youth Lagoon album. It's called Heaven is a Junkyard. This is Trevor Powers. Back in 2016, he said he was done with Youth Lagoon. The band was over. He has since been through some really harrowing health problems. He's come out on the other side and come to realize, you know, that the Youth Lagoon identity was not the thing that was holding him back in life, that it was all the demons within himself that he needed to deal with. So he resurrected Youth Lagoon and has made what I think is his best album. It is certainly his most intimate uh, his most honest, his most real, and I think his most beautiful. I, I was so excited to see that he was back as, as Youth Lagoon. So glad to have this album. Again, it's called Heaven is a Junkyard. And that'll do it for this week's New Music Friday. My thanks to Hazel Seals, Letitia Harris, Sheldon Pierce. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Robin. All right, don't forget you can see a complete list of everything that we talked about and played on the show in the episode description in your podcast feed. We've also got a list there of other notable releases out today that we didn't get a chance to mention. You can hear full versions of the songs along with a whole bunch of new singles that dropped this week in our expanded New Music Friday playlists. Just search for NPR in Apple Music or Spotify. And be sure to sign up for our weekly newsletter to keep up with the latest from NPR Music. You'll find it at npr.org slash music newsletter. And for NPR Music, I'm Robin Hilton. I hope you have a great weekend. Be well and seriously. Treat yourself to lots of music. This message comes from NPR sponsor Osea. Meet their body care breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum for 24 hours of hydration. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. Summer is for going to the movie theater because it's too hot to stay home. It's for driving with the windows down, listening to your favorite music. It's for stretching out while you're on vacation to gobble up a TV show. For a guide to some of the TV, movies, and music we are most excited about this summer, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. On NPR's Throughline. We cannot function for 24 hours without COBOL. Because it's in our smartphone, our tablet, our laptop. And as a consequence, the lives of the people living in that part of the Congo descended into just a catastrophe. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.